our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I hope you're having a great week and you're ready for the changes that come with the season changing. I know with younger kids, there isn't much changeover for a lot of you when it comes to school schedules and such things. But if you have older kids or if you're a teacher and you're um, they're in daycare or something, then there is going to be a change for you. But, um, you know, if those, that's your case, then I know that you are probably like me looking forward to a switch. I'm personally really excited that my kids will finally be leaving the house a few days a week starting in mid-June. I cannot wait not just for me, and not even about me at all, but for them. They need that connection with other kids. So I'm very much looking forward to them being able to get out and be around other kids during the day. Yay! So it cannot happen soon enough. Okay, today's question is about separation anxiety that is a bit more on the extreme side. So I am going to cover this question today. And Our listener wrote in and she said, Hi, this is Claudia. I have a question for you. I have a toddler who is two in a few weeks. He's struggling with daycare preschool. On Monday, it will be his third week, and the teacher spoke to my husband last Friday and mentioned they have not seen any improvement, and he won't eat his lunch at times, and a few days, all he does is cry all day long. They will try different ways this week. If there's no improvement, they will discuss other options. They don't want to do any harm to my son or allow him to influence other toddlers in his class. A little backstory, he has never been in any other watch but mine or my mother-in-law's. There's been a huge change in our life where we moved into our new house. He is no longer having a bottle for any form of comfort. We transitioned him to sleep in his own room and he still wakes up in the middle of the night and sneaks into our bed. I know it's a lot on him, but I don't know what to do. I'm lost as a parent. He is my first and only child. At home, his behavior has changed. He cries if I leave the room or I'm not in sight. Tantrums like no other. Please help. Okay, so I want to start out by giving a quick introduction to separation anxiety. I know I've discussed this before in other episodes, but it is a great refresher for anyone who hasn't heard it before or for anyone who's listening to this question so that we're all understanding on the same page. Just to lay some groundwork for the information so we all understand what it is, why it happens so often with toddlers. 
So while the separation anxiety that Claudia's son is experiencing is more than we normally see in toddlers, I still feel like it is within the range of normal, especially given all the changes. So after I cover the basics of separation anxiety, I'm going to talk about why this is still not something I feel is a big concern, but I'm going to give some tips to really help Claudia make steps toward her son feeling more secure because you definitely don't want to let this go on if he's going to keep crying at school because it could cause some real issues and just ingrain the separation anxiety. So we want to release that anxiety to some degree because it's more intense. I'm going to talk about why I'm saying it's more intense and what the actual flow um, we would expect to see. Okay, so in young children, an unwillingness to leave a parent or a caregiver is a sign that attachments have developed. The attachment is a deep and enduring emotional bond that connects one person to another across time and space. Now, infants and toddlers in this age range struggle to balance their desire for autonomy, their individuality, their independence with their need for security that the responsive caregiver provides to them. So they struggle back and forth. So I'm going to talk about why it's good for your child to experience separation anxiety when it's in a little bit more of a normal level. Your child gets practice at dealing with anxiety and stress. Your child needs to learn how to experience anxiety and conquer it. It is the beginning of building a very important life skill known as our coping. It builds the character trait known as resilience, which is also a piece of self-esteem. So these are all important because you want your child to learn how to bounce back from setbacks and disappointments. So here are some factors that can affect the degree of separation anxiety. And you're going to recognize this in Claudia's son right away. As I've already touched on, a secure attachment increases the likelihood the child will experience some level of separation anxiety. Now, obviously, the attachment is a good thing. But life stressors can also increase it, even unrelated events like a grandparent passing away, a move, a divorce. When a child is stressed, just like adults, they tend to have a lower tolerance for other stressors. So I think all these changes are definitely affecting Claudia's son more than they would if he had just happened to start school, but everything else had stayed the same. Additionally, the parent's reaction can strongly shape a child's perspective. So if your child is dealing with separation anxiety and you're reacting in a big way or you're feeling bad and, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I have to leave you, or you're you're getting a little worked up about it, if you get nervous, you react strongly to their distress, it can make it worse. Keeping a positive, upbeat attitude for the parent is absolutely crucial. Also, children with certain traits of temperament are more prone to experiencing separation anxiety. These traits include, since they're highly sensitive, they're more intense, they're highly realistic, and they're slow to warm. Now, I cover those in the temperament class. I don't know if Claudia's son has these. Chances are he does have one or more of them. But if that's something you're curious about, I definitely recommend seeing that class. But children with one or more of those will likely experience separation anxiety more frequently or more intensely than children who do not exhibit the traits. As they grow and develop more coping skills, things will smooth out. Again, you can learn more about that by watching the class on temperament that is on the website at yourvillageonline.com. So my experience with separation anxiety, just so you know what I dealt with when my kids were little. As you know, I have three kids. We experienced or I experienced a moderate spectrum of separation anxiety. So 
Two of my kids I would classify as average in the expression of anxiety upon being left with some struggling at drop-offs, especially in new situations. Our daughter would actually go through stages of being fine and then struggling for a few days, even at her school where she had been going for months and months on end, where also her brothers were both dropped off with her, where she knew the teachers, where she knew the kids, and it was a small school of eight to 10 kids, but she would still experience the separation anxiety. It would just hit her. She'd have it for a couple of days at a time and really struggle with those drop-offs. Now, her twin brother, only once, like only once can I remember he ever had a very small protest at my leaving and it lasted, I want to say 30 seconds. And I was almost a little offended that he never seemed to miss me or mind when minded when I walked out the door. But I want to give you parents who, whose children don't experience separation anxiety, who don't react to that, rest assured your children who do not express separation anxiety, it does not necessarily mean that you don't have a secure attachment. I had a secure attachment with all three of my kids. I parented them all the same. It likely only means that this child has a very different temperament. Now Chandler, the one who really didn't experience much separation anxiety is the most snuggly, lovey, connected, warm child, says I love you all the time. Um, he says, I love you more than you'll ever know. He's just, he's amazing and adorable and very, very connected. But he just happened to always be excited about going into school, seeing his peers, having new experiences. And then Carter fell somewhere in the middle of these two. Didn't have the issues, um, you know, off and on like Taylor did. It was more like with new experiences. But once he was settled into a school or a situation, he didn't go back and revisit it after that. Okay, there are four stages to separation anxiety. So when separation anxiety is in a more normal range, I hate to use the word normal, more healthy range, um, I don't even like the word healthy because I don't feel like Claudia's son is unhealthy with this, I just think he needs some extra support. But this is what we would expect to see. So they may sound a little scary, some of these, but they're all normal and they pass through each stage quickly. So this is what we wanna see. We wanna see them passing through each stage quickly. Now, Claudia's son is not passing through these some days because he's staying upset for most of the day. So the first stage is the protest stage. Um, this is where the child will kind of scream, cry, grab, beg, that kind of thing. This is a healthy response. It's a coping mechanism because it works to keep the caregiver present for longer. A lot of times this works. The second stage is despair. I know that sounds terrible. It's not terrible. It happens right after the parent leaves. The child may drop to the floor. They may sob for a few minutes. The third stage is adjustment. This is what we want to see after maximum 20 minutes, but usually it's much, much quicker. But you want to see the stage of adjustment where the child finds a way to calm themselves. They engage with the teacher or with a friend or in some play of some sort. The last stage is emotional detachment. Now, again, this sounds bad, but it's not. This just means they change their focus from the despair, from the attachment. It's not like their attachment leaves. That's what I want to say here. But the focus isn't on the attachment to the parent or missing the parent. It, the focus changes onto connecting with a friend or an activity or the teacher. So it's just a switch. But underlying, obviously, that attachment is still there. It's there through time and space no matter what. Okay. When we get back after the break, I'm going to give some more background information about this developmental process, some tips to work with children who are really struggling with separation anxiety to alleviate this experience for everyone. So whether your child is moving through these stages, but they're taking a little longer, or they seem to be struggling with it throughout the day, 
I want to give some tips so that these children and can feel the support that they need, gain the security that they need so that they can become more independent. And then also for the parents so they don't feel so, um, so guilty about leaving their child um, to try to work through this for such a long period. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. ByHeart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. ByHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to discuss one more aspect of this balance of attachment versus security, or attachment and security versus independence. And then I'm going to get to specific tips on working on improving the feelings of security so that your toddler and even young children. So while separation anxiety usually dissipates for most kids around the age of four to five, for some kids, it can come and go up to around age seven. Now, if you have a child that you're seeing separation anxiety going on after the age of seven, especially if they're kind of some big protests, then it's definitely time to talk to your pediatrician and get in for some counseling to help them work on that. Okay, as our toddlers age, they do create more and more secure attachments with us. They become more and more secure, which means they can be more secure to be independent. You need the security before the independence. And so they'll kind of bounce back and forth. So you'll often see a toddler at gatherings, parks, that type of thing, where the parent is still present. I know we're not doing a lot of this right now. And 
if this has happened in the past, or if you are able to start engaging in this, I hope it can start to happen again soon if you're not, um, even in, to a small degree. But you'll see the toddler go play with something or play with a friend and then come back and check in with the parent. This is their way of making sure their attachment figure is still available to connect with them. They're just coming back for that security. Once they're like, okay, we're good, I'm secure, they'll then go back to playing um, and being more independent, playing with a friend, playing with a toy, um, running around, that type of thing, and not having to be by the parent's side nonstop. So this is the healthy way of them showing that they're working towards that independence, but they also still need that connection and security and reassurance. If your toddler does not feel like joining in play or leaving your side, it's okay. Just encourage, but without pushing. And I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But these are really important skills for adult relationships. Um, in adult relationships, we talk about attachment disorders. Um, and so this is an important part of being able to be attached and also an individual. So this is kind of, of an interesting balance that we all work on throughout life. And I've talked about this in another episode, the work of Esther Perel. She talks about this, about being in an adult um, partnership and how we um, need to allow our partners to be an individual, to be their own person, to have their own desires and their own interests and their own hobbies and that type of thing. Um, but then also where we're connected in other ways and we have a deep connection and how we balance that. Well, it starts here in toddlerhood with the security versus independence and helping them develop that independence, but also helping them understand that we are still there for them and that helps a child build a secure attachment style so that they can have healthy relationships in the future. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about age for a minute because it's a, the ages around three to three and a half, now these are not like drop dead cutoffs, but this is a, the main range, three to three and a half. You might see it a little bit earlier, but usually not. Usually right around three to three and a half is when your child will be exploding in social skills. This is when they're finally developing cooperative play skills. They begin to build connections of friendships too, where they wanna play with the same kids. They wanna connect with the same kids that they feel some sort of, sort of connection with, they feel akin to, that like the, to play the same types of games or toys or the same way, or the same energy levels, that type of thing. For this reason, for Claudia or any other parent whose younger toddler is struggling with separation anxiety in preschools or other drop-offs or other you know, play scenarios, at barely two or really anything under three, there isn't much social interaction happening. Now, it may look like this since young kids are all sitting near each other. They may hand each other a crayon or a block or something. Um, but they aren't really capable of interactive play with other toddlers, of building of ideas, of sharing of ideas and conversations. So if your toddler is really struggling, like Claudia's son, there's really no social interaction that you need to feel concerned that they're missing out on. So you want to take the time to work on increasing their feelings of security, and then you can have them start their preschool closer to three or three and a half. Or you can do it earlier if you feel like they're secure, um, if the drop-offs are, are better and they're, they can still have their meltdowns, they can still have their struggles, but they need to work through those stages fairly quickly. Um, we'd like to see them work through them within a few minutes, like five minutes, but if it takes 20 minutes for them to work through and settle in, that is also a very normal range of settling through those four stages. Okay. 
But three to three and a half, starting around that age, is actually when preschool is the most advantageous. That's when they're exploding with their social skills. That's when it's good to be around other kids and interacting and learning those interactive play skills and learning those friendship skills and learning how we find that there's certain um, other kids who we kind of take to more than others. That's all gonna happen in that three to four age range. So you're not missing out on anything if you have a younger toddler and the drop-offs are terrible and you feel terrible and you know it's just not going well. You can pull back and work on this. I'm gonna give two tips right now on how to do that, but you can pull back, pull them out of um, school or daycare for the time being. Okay, so you wanna take the time to get the child comfortable at home so that you can leave the room. This is particular for Claudia since um, you said that this is the struggle that you're having and you can't even leave the room without the meltdowns. Once he's no longer going to preschool, then this will likely dissipate within a few weeks anyway. So you wanna work on the secure connection and some ways to do this. I'm going to talk about this in a second, but I also want to talk about there's there are a lot of those life stressors. So the move, the new bedroom or his own bedroom um, and some of the other stuff that you talked about are definitely affecting this. So you want to just kind of envelop him in this feeling secure in the new home, in the new schedule, in the new room, just feeling really comfortable about this. So this is what you're going to do. You're kind of just wrap this little boy up in love. You want to you're gonna really help him to just feel really secure in this new environment and with the changes. Then you'll be able to start moving towards more, a little bit of separation at a time. So here are some things to do. 20 minutes of one-on-one time every day, if you can, or as many days that you can a week, any time during the day, doesn't matter when it is, getting down on the floor and playing whatever he wants. You wanna follow his lead. If he pulls out the Duplo, you're gonna take some blocks and ask, what are we building today? Where do you think I should put this big yellow block? Hmm, what do you think about this little blue one? Do you think this maybe right here is good? You wanna just really follow his lead, let him give instruction, let him play leadership role, and really just get down on his level and do this. Now you're gonna spend some solid time connecting. You're gonna have him help with tasks around the house. So when you need to get some things done, because we all do, whether it's putting things on the table at lunchtime, you can hand him something to take over. Maybe his own plate and a fork. Maybe it's a bottle of dressing. You know, handing him clothes out of the dryer and he puts it in the basket so you're gonna fold it. And then maybe he's helping you match socks. Any little task that he can do. This builds self-esteem because he feels needed, he feels valued, he gets to spend special time with you. So it really helps him feel more secure in this connection. So those are some great things to do. Um, then you want to have play dates with one or two other kids. You can have them at your house or at their house or go to the park. Um, and that doesn't have to be with other kids. You can just go to the park just to go. Um, you don't have to be meeting other kids there. But these are practices. These are ways that he gets to practice playing around other kids with you close by. He can come check in anytime he wants, but he will feel more comfortable exploring the other kids' toys. If you're at their house, at the park, you know, other kids will bring toys and, and all the kids kind of just hand the toys around and play with them. Um, and he'll feel more secure playing in that scenario or playing on the park equipment and climbing and doing the slide, working on some physical separation because he knows you're right there, you're staying, you're sitting on the bench, I'm gonna be right here, I'm watching you, you know. And then the toys and the climbing equipment are enticing enough to get him to engage with something other than mom. Now, if he struggles with this for a little bit at first, that's fine too. You can encourage without pushing. 
If he, um, you know, if he just wants to sit by you, then you can lead by example. Let's go down the slide. Let's go sit in the sandbox and play with our sand toys. And maybe there's another little child sitting nearby and you can sit near that child and then you can talk to that child. And, um, hi, this is Lucas. What's your name? You're modeling a conversation that your child, um, could eventually have with this other child or would potentially want to have with a child in a social situation. You're just going to model some of that. Okay, once this is going well, you're going out to the park and he's going off and he's going up and down the slide without you needing to be right there. He's maybe, um, you know, giggling with some other kids up and down the slide. He's doing uh, play dates at other kids' houses and playing with their toys. And he's only, you know, just coming and checking in, but he's um, not by your side, you know, the entire time you're there. Then you can do some small outings. These are like 20 to 30 minutes while you're leaving him with someone, especially if it's another mom, he's been around during these play dates, um, something like that, it won't be totally unfamiliar. Um, even if he's struggling the entire time you're gone, at this point, hopefully he's not and it goes well. Either way, you're back in 20 to 30 minutes, so it's not this ongoing for hours, you know, crying off and on for the day. If he's not taking to it, go back to the park and the play dates and keep working on it and try again in a couple of weeks or a month later. Once you can leave, and he seems to either have little reaction or he does the normal protest, but gets over it within a short period, you know, five to 10 minutes and then moves on to playing. And this would obviously be a report from the other parent, not something you're gonna see because you're not there. Then you're gonna start to stay away for longer. You're gonna do 45 minutes to an hour, and then you're gonna take it up from there. So now you're doing these play dates. He's going over to another kid's house for an hour at a time. He's doing great. Um, you want to try preschool again. He's two and a half. He's three. He's three and a half. Whatever his age is and you want to feel like you want to try it again, then you can start doing that. He should be well practiced. He's able to at least start out with half days. So I would do some half days of preschool, not full days, and then slowly move him into that. Whatever is your preference, so long as he's managing well. By managing well, again, I mean, he can still have separation anxiety. He can still struggle with it. He can still not want you to leave, but you know, you leave and within a few minutes, he's calming down and engaging with the friends, the teacher, the activities. Okay, when you do get to the stage of leaving, you want to create a goodbye ritual and you wanna keep it short. You wanna do it and then leave. You want to send the message that goodbyes are okay. I'm leaving you in a safe place. If you stay and you prolong it because he's struggling and you feel bad and ugh, it becomes this whole thing, it builds more angst because the child learns that their reaction will keep you longer. So all it's going to do is up that reaction. The goal is for the child to move away from the parent, not the parent from the child. But this is not always possible. So don't feel like this is what you have to have before you can leave, especially in the beginning. But that's what you want to work towards. And it will you will get there. You'll get to the point where you drop him off and he's like, bye. And he runs off to see his friends. At first, that may not happen for a lot of kids. You may have to say, okay, I'll see you in a couple hours or I'll see you after lunch or whatever it is. Um, letting them know that goodbye is okay and you will be back. Whatever you do, do not sneak out. This adds to the anxiety the next time. It works completely against what you're trying to accomplish, which is your child learning how to cope with being left. So what it does is it really messes with the trust factor. When you sneak out, it breaks down the trust. 
right? I turn around and my parent disappears. I didn't get to say goodbye. So you don't want to do that. You want to make sure even, I know it's hard and I know it, it's hard to watch them cry or see them be upset. It rips your heart out. But that is a much kinder way to do it than to sneak out because otherwise it actually just creates a much bigger feeling of um, abandonment and being left. So you don't want to do that. As I mentioned earlier, you don't want to push your child to join the other. So if you're saying goodbye, you don't want to be like, go play with those kids. Hey, look what they're doing. Go over there. Go over there. Point it out. You can encourage, hey, they look like they're having fun over there on the swings. Why don't you go over and join them? But if they don't want to go, it's okay. If you push, it just backfires. The more you push, the more they feel insecure about joining the other kids, the more they just want to cling to you. So the goal is to support their autonomy without forcing it. So I hope this was helpful for everyone dealing with any kind of separation anxiety concerns. If you want to learn more about your child's unique temperament, the ways you can support them with any struggles they have, including separation anxiety based on their own temperament traits, the class on temperament is great. Also the class on self-esteem, because this is an important piece also I talked about earlier. There's two classes, ages zero to five and five and over. I have a lot of information, background information, lots of tips on how to help your child build a strong sense of self, self-esteem and self-confidence. And there's actually some common things that parents will often do where they think they're helping their child self-esteem, but they're actually working against it. So it's good to know what those are. It actually undermines the self-esteem as of building it. So, and then of course the class on separation anxiety does cover some additional information, different scenarios, and some tips for preschool drop-offs in particular um, that you can do to make them even smoother, help your child with the transitions. And these and all the other 60 plus parenting classes, including the latest one on mindfulness for kids, are all on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.